Good afternoon. It is Thursday, May 6th. On a special Thursday edition of the Executive Girlfriends Group call, this is Chickie Fitzgerald, and it is my pleasure to introduce to you Selena Rezvani. And Selena has written a very, very interesting book, uh, and I can't wait to dig into this. The book is called Pushback, How Smart Women uh, stand up for what they want. And and the book is really about self-advocacy. And Selena, uh, I didn't have a chance to give you a background on the Executive Girlfriends Group, but we have a whole bunch of smart women who are members of the Executive Girlfriends Group, about uh, 700 all told nationwide. And uh, I was just shocked when I read your intro about uh, that, that women ask for what they want four times less often than men. So, Selena, why don't we start with you giving us a little bit about your personal background. Yes, definitely. Well, thank you for having me. You know, my mission is really to propel more women into leadership roles. You know, I think a lot of us are impatient to see uh, this improve. And um, some of the ways I try to do that are through writing, Uh, the book you just mentioned, and the columns I write on women in leadership for Forbes and the Washington Post. Uh, And then, of course, through speaking with women, you know, dialoguing with working women often so that I can understand what they're facing. And lastly, in consulting, you know, so taking a slightly different look, uh, more of a macro look at women in leadership and helping Mm -hmm. organizations create more inclusive workplaces where women want to stay, you know, where women want to be developed and want to step up to leadership. And it's funny, you know, with this book in particular, um, you know, spending so much time with working women, interviewing top executive women, I've come to see negotiating and self-advocacy as the single most important skill for a woman who wants to move up. And that's really what moved me uh, to focus on this book, topically the way I did. And uh, I I see that your co-author is Lois Frankel, who, of course, we have interviewed on the show before, uh, Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office. And uh, tell us a little bit about how you and Lois got together. Yeah, you know, Lois actually wrote the foreword for the book. And uh, I thought long and hard about a few things, you know, who I especially admired and who had laid the foundation for this message. And, of course, Lois Frankel came to mind with her books that really encourage women to not be so sweet and nice, (laughs) um, but to go for it, you know, and to be kind of gutsy and bold. And, you know, the other thing was practicing what I preach. I tell women all the time, you know, when you ask for what you want, whether it's someone's involvement in your book or a promotion, I mean, whatever it may be, you'll often get more than what you asked for. You know, you'll often find options where there were no options. And it's incredibly magic (laughs) what it can do. (laughs) And I found the same thing. I thought, I don't know Lois. I deeply respect her. And sure enough, in reaching out to her, um, and, you know, creating a pitch, explaining why she was so vital, I was thrilled when she said yes. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, three years ago when I, I actually launched a radio show uh, first uh, before I started doing the Executive Girlfriends group calls, and 
I I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. And then I thought, I don't know any authors. How am I going to do this? <laughs> but you're right. We just started, um, or I started initially just contacting people and found everyone was willing to help. And, you know, thankfully I, I now have Patty, my executive producer, who does that for me. Um, but it's just amazing. You're right. When you ask, you know, you find out, you know, maybe the time you're asking isn't convenient and, and you need to, to work on a different date. But, yeah, people are amazingly willing to help. So let me just, uh, for our listeners, let me just talk a little bit about the contents of the book because normally I would follow through this, but, but I think that there's some interesting points that you raise in the preface for the book that I'd like to drill down on. But this book is a very, very practical uh, tool that I believe that women can use. Uh, the first chapter is Why Pushback. The second chapter is Find Your Pushback Style. Number three is Prepare Psychologically. Number four is Do Your Homework. Number five is Maneuvering Through the Conversation. Six, Follow Up. And seven, Push Back to Your Own Career. So why don't we talk a little bit about the approach that you used in writing the book. I know you you did a number of interviews. Tell us some of the people that you interviewed for the book. Yeah, you know, some wonderful women I had the chance to sit down with, um, you know, some that come right to mind. Linda Descano, the CEO of Women & Co., which is part of Citibank. Um, Lucy Danziger is an editor-in-chief of Self Magazine. So she had a very interesting lens um, coming at things from a publishing world. Uh, Cindy Bigelow is the president and CEO of Bigelow Tea, and I think she was especially interesting to interview because she comes from the family business, mm-hmm. you know, where many women I've interviewed in the past who have a family business report being underestimated, you know, really being um, thought of at times as, you know, you don't necessarily deserve this or you kind of slid right into this role. And many times those women have to work twice as hard. Right, right. Well, let's let's dive right into the meat of of this whole issue of self advocacy. Uh, first, before I, I jump into the four key questions that that you pose in the preface of the book, why is it that smart women don't do this? What holds us back? It's a good question, and I would say one of the biggest is our conditioning. You know, I think many of us are fighting with good girlisms, as I call them, every day and needing mm-hmm. to combat these in the workplace. And so much of what was focused on with us as kids, be kind, be accommodating, share, be nice. I mean, these messages are in direct opposition to ask for what you want, say what's on your mind, uh, take a firm position on an issue, even if it's unpopular. Right. It's okay to push back even if you're inconveniencing someone by doing so. And I think that's a big piece. It's incredible how I can speak to women with three advanced degrees who are already fairly senior in the organization, and they feel so uncomfortable with this skill, so uncomfortable about what it means. So I think a piece of it is that is something Ariana Huffington has mentioned. You know, she's been quoted as saying, women have an uneasy relationship with power. And to <laughs> me, negotiating is a form of power, of getting more power. And uh, I think 
many of us hesitate to do it. You know, the one other reason I would bring up is that we know from research that women tend to hold themselves to an even higher level um, and scrutinize their candidacy for a role more than men do. So they Mm -hmm. underestimate what they're capable of, and men tend to overestimate what they're capable of. And I think that's a big piece of why we don't get to the negotiating table in the first place, because maybe we've told ourselves, oh, this isn't really worth pursuing, you know, no one else has asked for it, so why should I be the exception? No, I think we halt the conversation before it's even been started. Right, we talk ourselves out of that, of course. Well, you mentioned the whole issue of relationship and how we are uh, taught to be peacemakers. So when there is an issue, what is the best strategy for confronting that issue head-on without damaging a relationship? And and I'll, I'll add on to that. Does it differ when the person we're confronting is a man or a woman? Yeah, you know, I think when it comes to maintaining relationships while taking a firm position, women are natural at this. I think more than anyone, we have the ingredients to do this very well. And I say that because if you look at women's behavior, and yes, this is a generalization, but you will often see women are very good at de-escalating a hot, contentious situation. They're very good at having a disagreement or a debate and allowing everyone to leave the room feeling like their dignity is intact, like they're not damaged, you know, that they've been respected even if there's a disagreement. And I think one of the best advantages that women bring to the negotiating table that they can use and leverage is this approach of it's you and it's you and I versus the problem. It's not you versus me. Right. And women tend to take that approach, and it can be incredibly successful, you know, because think about how much that puts the other side at ease. Oh, we're here to come to a mutually beneficial agreement. It's not that you're here to just get everything that you want, you know. You know, that that is so simple but so profound. Uh, You know, I'm just thinking about some issues that I'm dealing with uh, you know, with some folks in in uh, my business right now, and what a difference it would make to begin the conversation that way. I think so. I think it, you know, what goodwill it buys to mm-hmm. say something optimistic at the beginning, um, to recognize, I'm so glad you met with me today. I'm confident we're going to find a solution that works for both of us. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, sometimes the other person doesn't even know there's an issue. And I, I, I find that that is my biggest problem as a strong woman is that I see the issue clearly. And, uh, you know, perhaps the other person is, uh, you know, blissfully unaware <laughs> that uh-huh. it even uh, is an issue. And so the the damaging of the relationship is even uh, articulating the issue to begin with. And that's yeah. because it is a personal thing quite often. And, again, I asked you uh, at the tail end of that question whether it is different for men and women. And uh, my experience, and, again, I realize that this is in you know a fair amount of isolation, is that when I'm confronting an issue with a man, he he wouldn't ever occur to take it personally, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, yeah. you'd have to put plant that in his head. 
um, you know, because it, th- they're conditioned to be turned toward the problem to solve the problem. And all this per- peripheral stuff that we kind of wrap on, around it uh, of history and drama, um, you know, and, and sometimes that's not our style, but but it's what the other person, uh, you know, gets us dragged into. That when when I am dealing with an issue with a woman, I tend to anticipate the emotional response, and so maybe mm-hmm. I'm the one causing it, uh, uh, you know, which is really what I'm trying to say. Not that there is the characterization of women naturally being more emotional. Yeah, that's a really good point that you make. I mean, one thing we do know about men and women that's helpful to understand before you walk in is that women are more likely to propose a 50-50 type solution and men more likely to ask for more of the pie. You know, they're more likely to want to cash in (laughs) and get more. And I I think that's important to know. Well, that's a really good point too. And and again, I you know, I think when we decide that we are going to advocate for ourselves or or for an issue and we are really going to go after it fervently, we still don't know how far we can push. So help mm-hmm. help us out with that thought. How far do I push if I want to advocate fervently for an issue? Well, you know, in my experiences with women, we give in a little too soon. So I think in terms of giving a a general rule of feedback and advice, hang in there. Be tenacious. You know, one of the best pieces of advice you can really take in and internalize is to hear no as not yet in your career. Because if you speak to most executives who've made it to the top, they didn't have this perfect golden path, you know, where everything was just you know, fell at their feet. I mean, they had doors slammed in their faces. They had, they were told, no, you're not ready. I don't think you're leadership material. And they were tenacious. You know, they right. went back three more times and said, well, how about now? I have new skills I can offer. Right. Or isn't the timing better? And I think that's so critical for many of us women to just take in in a deep way that if you really want it, go get it. Don't right. worry about being so polite, you know, and so uh, considered about it. Have a really strong argument and use that as the, you know, the scaffolding of your case. Mm-hmm. So, Selena, I'm wondering then if it if one tact is actually to say, so is this a no or is this a not yet? I mean, can you be that direct in saying, if it's a no, are there things that I can do and change and learn or, you know, shed myself of that can turn this into a not yet and, and what would be that milestone? Yeah, I love that advice, and I do. I tell women, really insist on objective criteria. Don't accept a flippant no or a wave mm-hmm. away. <laughs> you know, I don't feel like talking about it. You really need to take the bull by the horns and think to yourself, if not now, then when? Um, Would you consider this again in three months' time? Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite ways to leave a no conversation. You know, can I bring this back up? Um, I'm certain you'll see it differently. Mm -hmm. And um, it's important that we do that, that we even leave the no conversation not completely defeated, but building in a future time where it can be reconsidered. 
So there are going to be situations, though, where your needs are not being met or that you truly disagree with the statement that the other person is making and and where you aren't going to be satisfied with waiting three months for reconsideration. So what's the best way to take a firm position under those circumstances? Yeah, you know, I think for most of us negotiators, you know, the best GPS we have for navigating a conversation is is our gut instinct. And we'll often know if we're sitting in a negotiation, you know, all is not right here. I don't like these terms or something's bothering me. It's not sitting right with me. And I think it's very important to tap into that and be very honest with yourself about do I see this changing? Do I have opportunities here? And if not, I mean, there's a big trend today with the economy and the job market improving slightly for people to move up by moving out, Mm. you know, moving away from their organization or space. And I think that comes from the conversation you have with yourself. What is my power here? You know, what is my power? Well, I can choose not to stay. And um, I think you really have to be honest. What are my growth prospects here? It's one thing if I can't get what I want right now, but do I see this changing? Do I see opportunities in front of me? Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I've had a a number of of mentoring calls lately with women who are trying to figure out whether they want to switch industries. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've come back to them with the question of, you know, well, uh, first the statement that in most companies and most industries, the problems have names and faces, right? So Mm. if you look through the things that that are problems in your career, um, you tend to keep running into the same kinds of people. And I think this is true, you know, when you look at people who've been married multiple times too, they they tend to keep marrying the same person, right? Not, Mm. Not literally, but because we are the ones who have to work through something and that we keep encountering people who are the sandpaper against that that spur that we have that needs to be smoothed out in us. Yeah, wow. So, <laughs> you know, so I think your point is really well taken that sometimes we we think we've got to stick with something to stick it out, but but you know, it's going to come up again in our lives in a in a different circumstance and maybe that one will be the one where it's easier to do that sandpaper against the spur. So, let's let's talk just a little bit about career advancement because we've been alluding to that throughout this discussion. Um when you wrote the book, Selena, and when you did your interviews, did you really have in mind that this was for women who are in corporate roles? Because we have a number of members of the Executive Girlfriends Group who are with smaller companies, who are with family-owned companies. Uh, some are with very, very large publicly traded companies. Others are entrepreneurs or solopreneurs. And some are, are as I said, sitting kind of in the middle uh, trying to figure out where they want to go. And and so tell us just a little bit about your thought process in writing the book of who you thought would most benefit from this book. Yes, I think it's an equal split between corporate women, even women in the nonprofit world, and women working for themselves or in a small business environment. And I say that because it is a survival skill in either one. If anything, I think as an entrepreneur, you're forced to negotiate more often. So whether you like it or not, 
you are often negotiating terms, inventing right. new um, boundaries about what you're willing to do or not do. And it's I find as an entrepreneur, it's it's just an absolute necessity of the job. So I think you're given a very hands-on role as a solo kind of person um, that can be incredible for negotiating, for knowing your limits. In the corporate world, I think there can be a little more uh, of a timid nature about doing this, about rocking a boat and, you know, pushing on politics and a bureaucracy which is very defined and historic and old. Right. You know, I think there's more trepidation, and I think that's perhaps an advantage that women who work in small business have, is they have more lush, productive conditions for negotiating. Because on some level, it's expected of you. You know, even if you're not the top dog, it's expected that you're going to go to that vendor and get the very best rate. Right. You know, and um, it gives you great firsthand experience, even if you take some missteps along the way. You're learning. So if you do decide to leave a company in order to get ahead, I mean, what, what are the the key uh, components there with negotiating your your career advancement when you aren't moving up within a single organization? Well, you know, one of the things I like to tell women, because, again, we know that research supports that they tend to set lower targets going into a negotiation, and they also report being less confident. So taken together, they're less satisfied with the outcomes they get, which is no surprise. Um, if they're not setting their sights as high. So one thing I tell women as they're making, they're having salary discussions with a uh, prospective employer is don't give a range. You know, often the employer will hear the low end of that range. <laughs> Instead, yeah, we're stressing the high end. They're hearing the exactly, low end. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's what we're hearing. And sure, they they have a complete other number in mind. And instead of doing that, a better approach is to come up with the highest number that you can rationally defend. That is really the perfect tension you're looking for. What is the highest I can go while being able to back it up with an argument, with some evidence that this is where I should be? And that's a great place to start because if you must negotiate downward and make some concessions, you can. And and chances are you'll be in that range that only you know about. Um, And as I said, often you're bested. You'll get even more than what you asked for if you're willing to be ambitious. Well, the interesting thing is as a consultant, and I've had a consulting firm for uh, the better part of the last 17 years, um, when I first started consulting, I remember I was charging something like eight or nine hundred dollars a day, and I remember meeting with someone who I really respected, and and you know I, I asked her what what I should be charging, and and you know she basically threw back at me, well you know what is it that you know, and what is it that you bring to the table? Well, subsequent to that, I actually wrote my first book, and it was an industry book, not an Amazon.com kind of book, but an industry publication that sold for $995. And all of a sudden, when I read that book from cover to cover and figured out what I really knew and what I was contributing, I was able to double and triple and quadruple my daily rate and to say it with confidence. 
And I was sharing mm-hmm. with somebody the other day that when I've tried to bring other people into the consulting firm to sell business, that unless they could say a quarter of a million dollar deal, you know, without batting an eye and and feeling completely confident that they were going to be destined to sell fifteen and twenty thousand dollar consulting gigs, which are are money losers because they take as much money to manage as as the big deals do. So I, I think that what you're saying applies not only to salary negotiations, but if you are in business for yourself and trying to decide what you're worth. Um, you know, uh, again, I think you can apply that same principle. Yeah, I love what you're saying. And I think it's a way women can help each other, by the way, you know, is to do what your friend or your advisor did mm-hmm. for you. Um, act as a sounding board or pull a woman aside. I know I have done this with a photographer, for example, a young woman who is just charging way too little, like laughably little, uh, you know, an unfair number. And she was so talented. I said, why are you doing that? Why wouldn't you charge more? And she said, well, I'm just barely done being a student in this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she had four reasons why, you know, she didn't deserve it. And I think sometimes when you get that push from a, a fellow professional, it makes right. all the difference. You really see things differently and, and you don't go backward. Right, and I do encourage people uh, to write, and whether it is a blog that you know you're not sure if anybody's ever going to read, or if you are fortunate enough to submit articles, uh, you know, as you do, uh, you know, to very, very well-respected publications, or that you actually have the intestinal fortitude to write a book about what you know, even if it's just for your own industry. Um, you know, that is so incredibly powerful because when, like I said, when you're done, you read it and you think, wow, I wrote that. <laughs> and, and yeah. you know, even if you were timid uh, about charging before, I think it really, really helps out. So, you know, just in closing, uh, Selena, uh, again, you, you interviewed some really, really amazing women. Can can you think of one story that just really sticks out, uh, something, whether it was surprising or humorous, uh, about those interviews? Yeah, I can. You know, there are so many moments of that, but one that strikes me today, you know, had to do with me asking a question around how do you prepare creatively for a negotiation or deal? And it was Linda Descano, the CEO of Women & Co., who I was, you know, asking the question to that day. And it was just so funny what she said. She said, you know, I go out of my way to consult my network. I really tap into my network, whether it's an internal deal I'm making or an external deal. And to talk to people who know the person, who knows my my counterpart's style and preferences and the way they speak. And um, how funny when she said, you know, I did this one time. I consulted a colleague who knew a man that I'd be negotiating with and said, what do you what do you advise? And the friend told her, interrupt him within the first five minutes. He'll take it as a sign of strength and, and respect, <laughs> and he'll listen to what you say. And sure enough, she did it, and it worked. And, you know, of course I'm not, you know, advocating that works with every single person, <laughs> But the point is you have a gold mine in your network and yes. it's something free and easy to do to prepare for a negotiation that we, you know, often overlook um and, and don't do. But do it. It's amazing the little nuances you can learn 
that give you a leg up in the conversation. Well, Selena, I have really enjoyed talking to you. And again, the name of the book is How Smart Women Ask and Stand Up for What They Want. And Selena, can you tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you, where uh, where they can read more about you? Yes, absolutely. Um, I'd be happy to have people come visit me at my website. It's my first and last name, selenarezvani.com. I also have a, a Twitter account that I'm active on, and that's also my first and last name, at selenarezvani or at selenarezvani. Right. And then I'm on Facebook, and I do that under the term Next Gen Women as in the next generation of women. Very good, very good. Well, Selena, uh, again, for our Executive Girlfriends Group members, they can get in touch with you on our private uh, Executive Girlfriends Group platform. And for those who are not members of the Executive Girlfriends Group, you can find out more information about us on www.executivegirlfriendsgroup.com. And Selena, I just I haven't plowed through the whole book yet, but I can't wait because I can just see how very, very practical this is. And I, I just love your common sense approach for getting what you want. And I am looking forward to doing that in my own business. Well, thank you so much for having me, Chickie. I appreciate it. And cheers to asking more often. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much, and uh, just have a great weekend. You too. Take care. Okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> 